0: Well, hello there. Welcome and thank you for listening to this audio. You are listening to Passion Harvest. I'm Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. I am so excited to be joining you today. Thank you for listening and making me a part of whatever you are doing. Passion Harvest makes magic. We are inspired to do it, manifest it. Every day we aim to engage, inspire and develop the human spirit. With passion. My guest today is Sophie Grolton. Wow, she is fabulously awesome. An incredible woman who creates hauntingly beautiful paintings interwoven with historical letters and books she has collected. Sophie crops the gaze of the subjects in her paintings. She thought that no one would want to see images of her girls, but they are so very successful and leave the viewer to find their own connections with her artwork. Sophie discusses getting her mojo and going with flow and what works for her, including listening to podcasts, being an introvert, and sitting on the couch drinking coffee as a methodology to create her almost sold out exhibitions. This is her story and this is her passion. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest today. We're so excited to have you on the show. My pleasure. Um, and we've had a little chat before. Sophie is the most incredible artist um, and she also has a lot of interesting things she's very passionate about. Would you like to share with us um, some of your passions?
1: Some of my passions. <clears throat> some of my passions, well, I've been collecting things for since I was about 19. I used to religiously go to... Glebe Markets and Roselle Markets when they only had about two stalls um, and then I got to a point where I was going twice a, twice a weekend, Saturday and, and Sunday, and I used to collect things like old English green jugs, um, vintage art glass, but I always had a it always had to be a certain price. It always had to be twenty, thirty, forty dollars, fifty if it was amazing. Whereas these days they're all worth so much more. And I used to collect old children's books and old children's clothes.
0: Um, yeah, something with a history attached to them.
1: Yeah, yeah, or old playing cards, letters, sometimes photographs, just things that seemed abandoned really kind of felt like I was saving them
0: oh that's lovely
1: and do you still have them well I don't actually I lost a lot of it um when my marriage broke up I've got some good things some some things I've Mm -hmm. still got a lot of green jugs oh no and old 50s um egg cups
0: wow old egg
1: cups yeah, so I've got a few things, but I've lost most of it um, when my marriage broke up, which is a long story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it was kind of a bit cathartic. People have said to me, "Oh, I've seen something. Do you want to start collecting it, Collecting again?" But it was kind of freeing, really. Just the letting go of uh, material. Uh, um, yeah, well, after the initial shock, um, it kind of because I lost a lot. I lost all my children's photographs. And I lost all my art books and basically everything
0: appeared and, when
1: I left my husband. So, yeah. and so I, it was interesting. I, yeah, and I passion, didn't lose my children, though. That's fantastic.
0: <laughs> and passions do change as well. As we evolve and grow, we have different passions.
1: Well, I'm not so much interested in doing that anymore. Really, I think about it sometimes and I think, oh, could I really be bothered dragging myself down to the markets? Like I used to and I, I don't have, but I used to be really,
0: really, you know, every Saturday and Sunday off I'd go. You used to be really excited. And I, I know we spoke that sometimes, you, sometimes you incorporate your, um, some of your pieces that you collected into your incredible artworks, which you have to be passionate about because they're so amazing. Yeah, well, I started, you know, like I had all these children's books, which Quite frankly, my
1: children weren't interested in it because they were old, but I, I loved all those old – they were hard to get with colour mm-hmm. plates. But um, I started thinking, oh, God, what am I going to do with these? How can I use them in my work? So I started embedding them under my paintings and garments, like small baby singlets and tiny little garments and, yeah so then they they're, they're mounted and then they're painted over and sometimes they're lost sometimes they're still revealed you know so but they they that they're a history history of something
0: and and again the idea i'm just i'm just asking the idea like, behind it was it to um re-enliven something that had been lost or forgotten yeah,
1: bring something bring something that you could you could look at it every day rather than just being on a bookshelf or in a cupboard or in a box. Um, yeah, it made, it made it gave it a second life. I mean, a lot of book a lot of booksellers didn't like it if I told them what I was using them for. So I had to be very careful.
0: Well, I think it's just unbelievably creative, and you're just giving a, an object a whole new life. Well, that's what I thought too. And um, and. Yes, sorry.
1: Oh, because how it came about was um, I remember when I finished art school and I, I, w- I went overseas because a friend of mine was doing a residency in Paris for, and I stayed with her for a month and we, we went to this secondhand bookshop and I found a whole stack of these quite large catalogues from a... An exhibition of children's portraits in um, from Holland, mm-hmm. from the sort mm-hmm. of 17th century, and I really was drawn to them because they were like they weren't at all uh, sentimental, like later English portraits of children. They were very sort of stoic and almost like little adults in these sort of very um, restrictive costuming. And you could almost see the adult they were going to become. So I brought this catalogue home and I, th- I was really drawn to it and I thought, how can I incorporate this into my painting in a contemporary Australian way without it just looking like European rip-offs with modern kids? Yeah. And it was just, I'd just got my first digital camera and um, prior to that, you know, I'd had to traipse along to the photo uh, shop and get them printed, and then you never knew whether they were going to be good or the whole role was going to be bad. And I just happened to take these photographs of my two daughters sitting on the couch in their ballet gear, and when I looked at them on the camera, I thought, oh, my God, because the light... My girls were very fair-skinned as well with red hair and just the okay. south light was so cool. It really reminded me of these portraits. So I, I just got very excited and I decided to do a whole show and I just used my two girls who were like four and seven at the time, just in all different scenarios. And I thought, well, I can't just do portraits of my children. No one's going to come to a show of mine <laughs> and portraits of my children. So, I decided that I would crop the eyes, crop the gaze, which meant that I really had to push the body language because the eyes are so important. Um, you know, you're drawn to the eyes if yeah. they're in a painting. So, I started just to remove the eyes or paint them from behind and it was a great success. Everyone got it. Everyone just got it. You know, people bought them. So... Yeah, that's how it started, really. So, then I started thinking, well, how can I, you know, do something that no one else is doing? Um, and I started putting these books and garments in the back. And letters, sometimes there was, like, I, I used stenciled letters, which sometimes have, you know, secret messages. Sometimes they don't. Um, they just give another dimension to the the layering.
0: Um. I'm just – they're absolutely fabulous paintings and I'm just thinking everything has an energy so you're almost bringing an additional energy into your paintings.
1: Yeah, well, I, I hope so. Anyway, it's worked. It's worked. People like it. They're in fact, sometimes, sometimes I go, oh, God, could I really be bothered doing all this paper in the back because it's very time-consuming. Mm-hmm. But when I mm-hmm. do do them, they're
0: always the first to sell. People still love them. So – Incredible. And I, I'm just thinking how you never put that, you talked about the gaze, you never put um, the eyes or sometimes not the face in the pictures. So it's almost, I mean, I got the impression just when you were talking, almost like metaphorically, you were trying to engage with the viewer's feeling of the painting more so than what it looks well, like. Well, that's right. So you've got
1: to work a little bit harder, you know, when you don't have a set of eyes. Yes. Um, <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> And, yeah, most people get it. Some people think, oh, I find that a bit spooky, but it's not spooky at all. It just means that they're available to everyone because everyone can see something of their own child in everyone else's child or
0: it's just every child is how I put it. Yeah, it's universal. Yeah, it's universal, exactly. And and how do your daughters feel about you painting yeah. them all the time? I guess they're not that little anymore.
1: Oh, well, they're, uh, they're too big now.
0: Okay. They're
1: 16 and... Eighteen. Well, when they were younger, it was funny, because my youngest daughter sort of had, a, she was four and she had a lot more attitude than my older daughter and, I don't know, she was just the best muse. She was so, you know, she just had an attitude and I used her for a long time but then now I, I seek outside the box and I borrow other people's children and yeah. photograph them to work from which can be exhausting. And, you know, it's really interesting. Like some kids, you think, wow, they're going to be amazing and you get the photos back and they just don't have the it factor and others are just, wow, it's really interesting.
0: From the photos.
1: Yes, yes. And I put animals and birds because in those portraits, in those early paintings, they use a lot of animals, dogs, falcons, uh, fruit, flowers, all, all symbolizing something mm-hmm. with pu- purity. Um, yeah, and, and and I also
0: sorry. just reminded, he's
1: yeah. listening in. Yeah. Um, I I, <laughs> I, like I often use <laughs> a ball of string, a ball of string, yeah. Or, yeah, or wool, because that's like a nod to my maternal grandmother, who was an orphan who eventually went into ser- service and when my mother my mother always used to say to us if we were sewing and or knitting and our thread got too long she'd get cross and say don't do it that long that's a streels thread and we used to wonder what's what's a streels thread what's a streels thread and she said i don't know my mother used to say it and so we thought oh, it sounds it must be an old german word Oh, but, in okay. fact, I googled it. It was really hard to find. I only ha- found one or two references to it. Um, a streel, is a, it's Gaelic uh, for a slovenly woman. And so, okay. you know, a lazy okay. sewer has a long thread and then gets herself into trouble because it knots up because she's too lazy to re. So, so I often have a ball of string um, as a nod to my grandmother. Oh, That's
0: beautiful. <laughs> And have you always been interested by history in general? Well,
1: I I love costume because when I first left school, I did fashion and textile design. So I love painting, drape and clothing, and tra- transcribing that. So I'm I like historic paintings for that reason. Like I like historic movies. Um, but, yeah, not so much history. I'm interested in people. I'm interested in work. I think that's another reason why I used to collect things from the markets too. Like I'd pick up a jug and think, wow, this has been around since 1940. I wonder who owned it, you the, the know. The story
0: behind it, I find um, that fascinating
1: as well. Particularly domestic like plates and jugs and glassware. and Who used them <laughs> and... Oh, my other obsession, I've also got another one, which I've still got them lamps, lamp bases. what
0: got a really eclectic collection of lamp bases. Wow, that's an interesting one. Yeah. That's up there with the egg, the egg cups. The
1: egg cups, yeah.
0: So how, how many egg cups do you have do approximately?
1: You have- oh, God, I reckon I've probably got... Well, well, I stopped collecting them, of course, because I bought a beautiful cabinet, and once the cabinet was full, I stopped... Um, but my mother, mother's a mad collector as well, so she got well, anything that I was collecting. She would, she started collecting for me as well, which was cheating a bit. But <laughs> and she told me that they were because most of them are they're quite cheap and they were made in Japan. And apparently they were you either got them um, with an Easter egg in them okay. or they were show yeah. prizes.
0: Ah, lovely so yeah and so uh, yeah um what was I going to say I I I think a lot of people obviously you know you're such an incredible artist and it's you know painting is something many people aspire to especially making money from it but what does it feel like what 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 are the feelings when you create a work? How does it, like, are you inspired? Do you love every moment of it? What are the feelings when you're painting a piece or getting inspiration for an artwork?
1: Well, when I, you know, am painting an exhibition, there's maybe 20 works or 25 works or 15 works and I'm standing there looking at a whole lot of blank canvases. I feel great anxiety. I I can imagine. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) i just know how much physical exertion it's going to take for it to be for it to be finished and there's a lot of problem solving you know it's not easy you don't just you just don't get better and better at it you still make mistakes you have some good days where you think you're a genius other days you think oh that's terrible but um it's rewarding when people who buy your work have a bit of a we hear their story and why they've bought it and so i've had some i had I did a whole series of very small paintings once and one of them was called Stay With Me Forever, My Darling, and a woman who had had a stillborn baby bought it.
0: And I thought,
1: aw. And then another time I sold two really large paintings in Melbourne and the family who had bought them, the mother had died of cancer And they'd had a wall in the house while she was alive, and they'd had all family photos and photos of her and photos with the kids. And and when she died, the father and the girls said, "Right, we're taking this down now, and we're going to buy something that makes us happy for Mum." And so they bought two big paintings. So that was so. So when you hear stories like that,
0: yeah, I've just got goosebumps. I think it's the second time during our conversation. (laughs) Oh, that's lovely. And um, from, just so you have so many paintings from start to the exhibition, how much, how many weeks do you allow yourself to create all these artworks? Well,
1: look, if if I was a sensible artist, you know, like I'd probably give myself, well, it's very difficult because I have to paint, you know, so many shows a year to survive and then I get commissions in between but, you know, it's, I really should have five months but I often don't and so it gets down to the wire and I'm staying at the studio a lot and, yeah, because I always forget that there's drying time, then there's freight, then there's, they've got to be photo documented and so the actual date of the hanging is not the date and I always forget that because I always think, oh, I've still got, um, you know, two months but then I think, oh, God, no, I don't. So... It's best to get in and organise all your freight, all your photography, before everything's finished so you know what your final painting day is. And then it's got to dry,
0: of course. There's so many variables. There are. And um, my mind's just racing. I've got so many questions to ask you. But um, do you sometimes just lose all track of time when you're painting and really um, involved in the, in the creation of it?
1: Yes. I, yeah, I do. I do. I don't, I don't like painting at night. John, who started painting now, loves painting all night, but I, I just can't paint tired and I can't paint in bad light. Um, but, yeah, I do lose track of time. The trouble is is when I have to come out of the studio and just be a normal person and that's very disruptive. So if I have someone goes, oh, you have to come out for lunch, and I do, and then I don't go in the next day and then when I come back to the studio, I've lost my mojo and I've sort of got kind of find it again. So when I'm painting a lot of work, I try and because my girls are older now,
0: yeah, I try and stay at the studio so I don't lose the connection. So, how do you find your mojo? What, what? I mean, what are your habits to? Is it meditation? Is it a cup of coffee? Is it music? What? How do you find your mojo?
1: Oh, you're gonna die when I tell. Well, a podcast, podcasts
0: actually. But, I listen
1: to so many podcasts huh? while you're painting. That- Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah, okay. all the okay. time. And because otherwise it distracts me from um, the anxiety or, or thinking. I, don't, I stop thinking about, oh, what if I get this mark wrong? What if that's, you know, I'm struggling with this? Whereas I find music sometimes good, but there's too many kind of memories associated to music. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I listen to a podcast, it's like someone being just having a conversation with someone.
0: And I completely get it. It takes away all that chatter in your head about um, is, as you right. said, it's not good enough, but you, you internalise yeah. and, and just focus on just what is. you've got to do. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And another thing I, I, re- I learnt, really all, uh, learnt really long time ago is don't ever have a preconceived idea of what you're going to paint
0: because you'll just, you'll never be satisfied. That is such a good lesson for life as well, I think. Don't ever have a preconceived idea. It's a, very
1: good, <laughs> it's a very good idea. That's where I came unstuck.
0: Um, I think yeah. we all have at one point in time.
1: Well, I know. Look, I mean, don't you look, sometimes you think if I had thought I was where I am now, even just five years ago, I just if I, thank God I, I didn't go to a psychic or clairvoyant and they actually told me because I wouldn't have believed them.
0: It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, it is good. It is good. But, scary but good. So do you have, um, are you working towards an exhibition okay. at the moment?
1: I'm no, I'm working on a couple of large commissions which I've just about to finish, struggling a bit at the end but then I've got to start straight away on a new show which um, I think I'm going to, I teach twice a week in Glee. Okay. Okay. and I catch the ferry to and from st- either to Circular Quay or the Maritime Museum and then I ride my bike and Colin, my Kelpie, runs along beside me. Aww. He comes. <laughs> and because they're allowed on the ferries. So. I think I've seen Colin in some of your paintings. You have? Okay, well, I just okay. posted something where everyone seems to be getting on the bandwagon. John's painted one. An artist in Mildura's painted one because she's just finished illustrating a book. And then Teresa Sargent has um, taken a photograph. So, yeah. He's becoming very popular. It's very urban Kelpie, that's right. It's a bit of a supermodel.
0: So when you're um, being commissioned for an artwork, do people give you an idea of what they would like? Is that how you work? Usually, and then...
1: Usually yeah, yeah. Um, and hopefully they allow a bit of poetic licence. Most of them are good. Sometimes you run into someone who's problematic, um, but which it's so, a. Commission's a bit harder because when you're just painting towards a show, Mm -hmm. you can just paint it and if people like it, they buy it. If they don't, they don't. But when someone's – you just never know what someone's preconceived idea is. But if you looked on my Instagram, I just posted one that I finished and the grandfather came around who's from England with the three girls and they took a photo in front of it because he wasn't going to see it before it went to the framers. So that was
0: rather nice. Oh, that's lovely. And I will put um, all those details in the show notes for anyone that's listening, the links. Um, and so so when you have a show, do you come up with a theme? I don't know if it's called a theme or a concept for the show.
1: If I'm lazy, I call it new works. But if I if I put my thinking cap on, which I should, It's much more successful if I have a title. (laughs) People like a title. It would be like having a, you know, you can't sell a book called New Works, can you? Well, Um,
0: potentially.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Depends how much mojo you've got
0: at the time, I guess.
1: (laughs) I, I basically, unless something comes to me, I usually sit with a bottle of wine at night and... Think about it. ...and the title of the show kind of all at once... Because that's kind of a different headspace as well. Absolutely. And I'm
0: not really a writer,
1: so sometimes I struggle a bit.
0: But, but um, obviously, I mean, the, some of the titles of your paintings are so beautiful. Thank you. Um, yes, great discussion goes into them with John and I. So who's so just for people that are listening, who's John you keep mentioning? Oh, John <laughs> Howard's my Actor John Howard. Okay. And he started doing
1: the most beautiful watercolors. He only started in November last year. Um, inspired
0: by you, obviously.
1: I don't know. Were you, darling? Yes, he was. He's nodding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and can you work together in the studio? You know, I, I know you said you don't like to see that many people when you're head down and working. Did you work well together in the studio? Oh no.
1: Oh, he just, he's very industrious and he doesn't talk much at all and he just, we're, I've got two large Bunnings tables, one one side's all my messy oil paint and he's got the clean neat watercolour side on the other side. I don't think it would be very successful if he started painting large um, canvases, oil canvases,
0: <laughs> we'd have to give him space, but it works very well. So when one sees you walking down the street are you usually covered in a little bit of paint? Oh, my God, I look like a crazy woman.
1: <laughs> it's better to look, uh, it's, because I go for days and, I, you know, I don't brush my hair, I don't look in the mirror, and then I go down to Warringah Mall and people look at me, but they don't go, oh, my God, there's a crazy, I think they, they realise because I am covered in paint that I'm doing something creative. And I try to look, I try to look quite serious and not insane. Um,
0: Okay, okay. I certainly do I certainly do look at. I like you, you you don't you look you, I'm sure you look fabulous. <laughs> but definitely eccentric and interesting. Someone I'd like to stop and chat to.
1: Well, you just you, you just don't what's the point of I used to I used to sometimes I try and go to the effort if I'm home and come to the studio I think no I will wear real clothes to the studio put lipstick on brush my hair and then come and change, and then when I leave, change out of them. But oh, I just—I think oh, God, I couldn't be bothered. Like, really, who am I impressing?
0: Yeah. Well, you, you don't need to impress yourself. Well, no, and it's just—you know—you just get into the zone, and you just don't think about anything else. I, I love it how you call the zone, and you know, I think we've all been there at times when you're just so consumed by not the outer world but what you're actually creating i think that's a beautiful experience well do you still do your lovely ceramics i haven't for a long time mm, why did you stop that um it's very hard to monetize it and i guess i had other priorities right. at the time that took my attention away from it
1: well actually have you noticed that ceramics have become trendy again no
0: they have they really have. I mean, I think ceramics are a beautiful medium. Oh, um, but you know, I, I think in the future I will um, maybe give it another go
1: because they're beautiful. Thank I'm saying
0: Ah, oh, food for thought, and probably children as well too. Well, children, ch- children, yeah. I mean,
1: I used when my kids were smaller. Like I used to find that I drop them to school. My studio in those days used to be in balmain And, you know, getting three kids to school is exhausting. Mm. And so I'd get to my studio and then I'd need to sort of lie around with a coffee for a while and stare. And then by the time I got into it, really, re- even now, it's it's about 2, 3 in the afternoon and then i have to leave and go and pick them up again. So it was much better when they became teenagers and they can get themselves home and be latchkey children.
0: <laughs> yeah. and uh, You know, I... My The way I work now is I focus on what I want to um, achieve. So I set the intention and it's not so much about the doing of it. It's about the setting the intention, the vibration of it, how you want it to come about. Right. So that's your zone. That's my zone and it works really well for me more than thinking, I've got to do this hard work and I'm going to get it done. I I, I feel I work much better and I have much better results if I set the intention for the day of what I want to achieve.
1: But also if you don't, I find too, like you know what I was saying, I come in and I look at 20 empty canvases and I sort of have this anxiety attack because I'm just thinking, oh my God, I'm going to come over. And then I think, <laughs> one at a time, just start one at a time. Yeah. And then you yes. just stop thinking, you can't think about the whole, the big picture.
0: And that's your way of calming yourself and getting in your mojo, which is a a fantastic way. And I guess getting rid of the chatter in your head, the chatter that sometimes stops us from doing what we should be doing. Exactly. It's taken me a while to get there, though. Yeah, well, I think we're always still learning. I don't want to go back, but I want to keep continually evolving. Yeah. I'm excited about the future.
1: Who who wants to arrive somewhere and go, right, I can do that now, I'm fabulous? You know, I think, particularly, you can always smell out an artist who's kind of arrived at this very smug spot and they think, okay, I've nailed it now. Their work doesn't have a... You you need to see a bit of a struggle. You need to see a bit, you know, every good artist needs to make a mistake or, you know, put a knife through a canvas every now and again or, you know.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. I, I, yeah, we were. You know, conflict always helps us it's grow. That kind of tension, I think. I mean,
1: yeah, painters block, writers block, actors block,
0: whatever. Yes. I, yes. So and, block. and then suddenly <laughs> it comes, doesn't it? Is that? Do you find it just comes like that, and that you get this idea of what you're going to do, and when you weren't actually really struggling to think about what you were going to do and just going with the flow that it actually creates I've never
1: itself. had trouble with ideas. I've always been a really good ideas person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And also I think I think that's why, you know, I, I leaned towards design when I first left school. Um, yeah, I, I never have a problem with coming up with an idea, even if it's, I don't know what it is in the beginning, it comes. Um, it's more the, like, some days I wake up and I think I really don't feel like going to the studio today and I find if I push myself those days, I paint really badly and it's like almost That's a waste of time.
0: So now so, do you not go into the studio or when you're feeling a,
1: like that? I'm here to just lie in my day bed and stare at it and drink coffee. But at least you're connecting. That's better to do that and stay at home or go to a movie. Well, no, going to a movie is good.
0: I, I, love all your, I love all your antidotes of how you <laughs> well, know, know yourself and know when you've got your mojo and when you don't.
1: Well, it's just, um, I mean, I even find that being a painter is, is almost, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but it's almost a different side of the brain to being a designer. And that's why I think I got bored with a, being a designer because um, you sort of work to a brief.
0: Mm -hmm. and um, it just felt like it was a different part of my headspace. And obviously it works well for you because there's such fabulous pictures, paintings. Thank you. Thank you. We've got a little bit of time left. Is there anything else you'd particularly like to discuss?
1: Um, What would I like to discuss? Uh, Yeah, I've decided I think... I tell people this and they laugh, but I think I've, I'm a real introvert. I love just coming to my studio and um, being by myself. Like I'm, I, I, is that an old age thing? Is that just because, you know, you know, going out, like the thought of, oh, do I really have to go to a dinner party? Oh, do, I do too many people at that concert, you know? I have to really drag myself out. And once I get there, I'm okay, but I do need a lot of alone time.
0: I absolutely agree. Everyone's different and I think yeah. um, for a long time I'm kind of an introvert as well, but I felt I had to justify it or there was something wrong with it. But I think when once when you realise that there's nothing wrong with it and that's the way you are, I think. Yeah, and i am
1: never, you know how people say, oh, I, I get so lonely, I can't, I can't stand being myself. I never feel like
0: that. Well, I, I agree, but I think it's fantastic that um, you're happy with your own company, and it's a way—it's a way for you to create.
1: Well, it works for me. I used to have shared studios, and um, so much politics with a whole group of creative people. It's much nicer to have my own space now.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a process of you know whether it's maturing or not. It, I don't think it's necessarily, but it's a getting—it's a process of knowing yourself better.
1: No, well I was. In- I
0: found out I was I was an introvert.
1: Well, I'm the middle one. There's a name for the middle one.
0: Um, the poor middle <laughs> child. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I am a middle child,
1: actually. But that wasn't what I meant. There's something in between an extrovert and an introvert. Yeah. Um, it's got a name. It's a sort of, I don't know. I'm
0: not sure either.
1: I'm not sure. Um... <laughs> So many other but questions
0: yeah. I want to ask you about your, your Venetian glass and how you incorporate it in the, the paintings, but maybe we could have another podcast chat in the near future. All right. That would be lovely, Louisa. Thank you for listening to my... Oh, there you go. Thank right? you so much <laughs> for being on the show. It's been such an honour. Thanks, Louisa. Okay. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you would like to know more, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Passion Harvest. We would love to hear from you. Tell us how you are living your passions. You can also email us at hello at passionharvest.com. And if you like the show, please subscribe to our podcast and be inspired from our episodes about how to unlock or develop your passion. And remember, follow, harvest and live your passion today.